Welcome everybody, this is the Empty Brass Podcast, and I'm your host, CJ Boxrood. I want to quickly take the time to sincerely thank you for listening to one of the episodes on this podcast, and I also want to quickly ask if you wouldn't mind hitting the subscribe button on whatever platform you're tuning in on, and if you've got a couple of seconds to spare, please go leave a review and a rating out of five stars. That genuinely helps the podcast out the most. That's what you can do to keep the resources flowing, to keep the episodes coming. If you just take a few seconds to go ahead and leave some feedback, that would mean the world. I also want to remind you that this podcast is sponsored, and our first sponsor is Atlas Gunworks, and I, I just want to take the time to genuinely thank Atlas Gunworks for being a fantastic partner. They're great people over there with a great mission, and they also make the most fantastic gun I've ever put my hands on, and I'm truly grateful to be linked up with them. And the more you think about something, the harder it becomes to ignore. If I mention recoil management or muzzle rise, for example, suddenly you've thought about it, right? See how Atlas Perfect Zero changes the recoil and muzzle rise conversation all together at atlasgunworks.com forward slash perfect zero. We're also sponsored by the great people over at Mac Defense, and Mac Defense specializes in building duty-grade handguns for the armed professional and responsible armed civilian. They offer a top-tier product at a price point accessible to the working man. Their no-compromise approach mixed with their expert craftsmanship lead to a fine-tuned product with a focus on functionality. In an industry inundated with Gucci guns that fall on their face, they strive to build guns that run as good as they look, in all conditions. From complete builds to modifying customer-supplied guns and components, they've got you covered. Visit MacDefenseIndustries.com for more. We're also sponsored by No Sweat Liners that go on hats and helmets to absorb sweat and moisture so you can keep your eyes downrange and on your optic. Use code one word, all capitals, empty brass. Again, one word, all capitals, empty brass for 25% off at nosweatco.com. Again, that's nosweatco.com. These are going to be liners that go on anything that goes on your head, and it's going to absorb all the sweat to keep it off your face and your eyes, as well as preventing fog. They're giving you a huge discount because they want to get these liners into the hands of shooters and get the word out that it's an advantage when you're either on the range or on duty. I also want to quickly take the time to thank my three good buddies, Eli, Matt, and Oakley, for doing a road trip with me from Wyoming all the way to Tennessee and back. I couldn't have done it without these guys. They were a great company, and they really are the best friend a guy could ask for. So Matt, Eli, Oakley, thanks again. It means the world. And without further ado... Enjoy the episode with Lucas Bakken. What's going on, everybody? You're on another episode of Empty Brass, and I'm your host, CJ Boxrude. I've got somebody that everyone's familiar with, uh, that everybody knows. He's a leader in the industry. He's been on before. Uh, today, I have the CEO of T-Rex Arms, Lucas Bakken. Lucas, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for coming out and letting me do this again. Absolutely, man. Honor to have you. Uh, 2020 has been crazy. Yes. To say that's, the least. Uh, it's been a little wild. So let's go back to March and unprecedented events as far as our government and country are concerned. What are you seeing from your company as these lockdowns are happening, as these Mm -hmm. measures are being put in place? What are you seeing from your perspective? So there's obviously a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of uncertainty during the time. We've I don't believe our country's ever been faced, at least in, in recent time, with a, a pandemic of sorts. And it's been really interesting to see how people react to that, either, you know, by panicking Trusting the government, no matter what the government says, uh, not trusting the government because of past or more recent, um, you know, events, uh, not trusting the government because of who the administration is currently. Um, So it's actually been really interesting to see how people respond to it as far as like human behavior goes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been a very good test of sorts for our country because obviously this pandemic is not as bad as it could be. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, the Black Plague or something. Um, And I think there's a lot of valuable lessons we need to be learning from this so we can be better prepared when a you know, an exponentially worse pandemic occurs. I know some people are like, ah, COVID's not that bad or it doesn't really exist. And it's like, okay, well, regardless of that, there could be a really bad one in five years. There could be a really bad one in 10 years. And the last thing we need are people going, well, COVID wasn't that bad. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to prepare for the next one. We're not going to, you know, do X, Y, Z. So there's a lot of learning experiences right now 
there's a lot of things I've learned this year watching it, uh, but I really think after COVID calms down, if it does, hopefully so, uh, people need to remember what happened and analyze and go, how was I not prepared for it? Did I choose the wrong career option? You know, maybe in a luxury field where that's the first thing to go. Maybe that's not the most um, effective for security for me and my family. Uh, did I have enough toilet paper to last me more than a week? Uh, did I have enough ammo to last me more than a week? Um, so... All, the, all the, the bad stuff aside with COVID, I actually think there's a lot of good that's coming of it as far as just learning experience and making us stronger so we can be better prepared in the future. But that is only if people are willing to see the silver lining or willing to learn from you know what is happening that is bad, is resulting in people losing jobs. Um, my, uh, my own girlfriend, actually, she was laid off from the company she worked with due to COVID. Okay. Um, she's got a new job now. And uh, I'm not going to talk about that too much because I don't know if you want to know. But uh, so I've actually seen that firsthand where COVID has affected people. Um, but she also agrees that, hey, you know, COVID is teaching people a lot of, you know, important things. Uh, everyone's being tested and hopefully it will make us a stronger people for next time. And hopefully next time won't be horrible or worse. But at some point it probably will be. So there's yeah. a lot of learning experiences going so on. After March in June – we saw basically every major metropolitan city rioting. Mm -hmm. There's been a reoccurring theme with you for the last couple of years. Some people that uh, maybe have some animosity towards you have said things like, you're running around in kit and you'll uh -huh. never need that. Uh, I got to ask, when all these cities were on fire, was there a little bit of vindication that maybe there might be a reason that you might need that kit or it may be useful? There, there were definitely some people that uh, I guess swallowed the words they had said before. Um, and, and I think that's been interesting, too. I mean, the the biggest thing, and I've kind of talked about this on some of our, our own streams and lives and stuff, is the last sort of uh, emergency we had, obviously every election you got guns and ammo being bought. Whenever someone threatens an assault weapons ban, you know, weapons get bought. Uh, but the most interesting thing with COVID as far as what was selling, you know, guns were selling, but that's obvious, election year. But the fascinating thing of what was really selling was armor. And obviously we really ramped up our, you know, our stock of armor and put forward some commitments with HESCO. But uh, it was fascinating because previous years you didn't see an influx in armor sales. Uh, it was just kind of the same thing. Uh, we didn't even have a, an armor ban that was threatened. It's specifically riots and specifically departments up north saying, we're not responding to you anymore. You guys are on your own. And then people are like, well... Uh, if I want to protect myself, it's more than a gun. It's probably body armor. Um, and I think some of the reason why body armor is obviously more normalized now is, you know, companies like ours, um, even CrossFit, people are running around in plate carriers. Like it's becoming very normal, commonplace that this thing that you Velcro to the front of your body that you put a ceramic dish inside of, not really a ceramic dish, but, you know ceramic or possibly some sort of polyplate like that's a normal thing that goes hand in hand with rifles and so uh the normalization it's it kind of proved uh you know some of the points that i've been i've been making about normalization was like once you show a thing or talk about a thing enough it becomes standard and i think that's one of the big things we've seen with covid is armor is normal armor is standard now it just so happens it's very hard to get plate carriers and armor right now because a lot of companies weren't prepared for you know the the massive demand that came in and people will be more prepared next time which will be great um but yeah we definitely saw some people on the internet go hmm i guess you know being pro 2a or being prepared is more than just owning a air 15 it's more than just owning you know storing a thing in a safe with some magazines that are unloaded like maybe i'll have to gear up and go protect my friend's business or my own house if these people bust through the gate and actually roll in and um, the news has pointed out some of those situations that I, I think have been really good for people to see. And uh, so, yeah, some of the drills that I did a few years ago, which were a little – it was peacetime. You know, yeah. there's nothing going on you know, really five years ago. Uh, but, you know, preparing in peacetime for a potential wartime and now people are saying, oh, yeah, some of those drills around cars, shooting out of cars, and some of those drills in plate carriers running around doing stuff like – that's starting to make a little more sense. Um, so that, that's been that's – been, um, interesting to see, and I think people are seeing, you know, that it made sense yeah. at the time. It didn't make sense at the time, but n now it makes sense. Yeah, it, now it's a, it's a little easier to connect those yeah. thoughts. Was there any specific stories of people reaching out, messaging, or emailing you saying, hey, uh, you know, I was wearing your your equipment in X places, and if there was, was that pretty satisfying to, to hear that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, I, I had a lot of 
people messaging that. There are actually some guys during some of the, the businesses that were getting protected where I kind of found them on Instagram and click on them and they were following me. Okay. So like a large percentage of them. Now I'm not going to say, I, I can't take credit for like the reason they're doing what they're doing is because of the, some of the principles T-Rex Arms has put out, but there's probably some things where they were watching, you know, getting prepared for, we obviously promote a pretty strong second amendment message, a pretty strong, Hey, be responsible for people around you. Carrying a gun is not just for yourself. And so all these people that are, uh, you know, getting five dudes and then going to a business of a friend that they own, like that's falling right in line with the principles that we're promoting, which is like help your neighbor. Um, and it was pretty cool seeing like, Oh yeah, a bunch of these guys, you know, going and protecting businesses and being professional on camera when CNN showed up and kind of berated them or some of those guys are following T-Rex arms. And that, that has been very satisfying to see that. And, uh, we've had some messages from some of the law enforcement guys that are dealing with, uh, the rioting who are like, Hey, we're holding the line. Thanks for, you know, supporting us. And they've got like hats and stuff. And so it has been pretty cool to see the response from them as well. Um, and uh, I don't know if we've seen any Antifa, Antifa people with our gear. Uh, I haven't seen any, uh, so that, that's been nice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we get some messages here and there, which is great, especially on medical gear. Um, guys being like, oh, yeah, I ripped into my medical kit in my glove box that you sold me that I got and used it on someone who from a riot or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. I mean, I've personally directed a lot of people your way just asking about who makes the best equipment <laughs> and who has – uh, you know, the best available product. One of the reasons I direct people your ways is because I know that you have the morality to only put forward a product that you would use yourself. Mm -hmm. And the second is that you take your business serious and you're not going to take people's money and then take forever to get back to them because yep. it, in the current climate, it would be almost a form of price gouging if you let yes. the back orders go too far. I agree. Uh, talk a little bit about the fundamentals that you've instilled in T-Rex from the beginning and how that's really come to uh, fruition and exaggeration now that the climate is what it is. Yep. Uh, so there's, there's a couple. The biggest one has been that I really pushed early on is we will recommend the products that we use and like, and it doesn't matter if we sell them or not. And it doesn't matter if it's out of stock. Mm -hmm. uh, so a clear example is Safari Land. I recommend Safari Land ALS holsters all the time. Uh, it is a little unfortunate. They're pretty hard to get right now with just stuff going on with their company and inventory and demand as well. Uh, but I've been recommending ALS products, uh, the ALS line, for a very long time. Always will. Um, I run those when I train uh, people with active retention, stuff like that. Um, and people saw that and were like, wow, it's really cool that a holster company will recommend a competitive, you know, competitive product. Um, and then we've seen that I've, I've kind of done the same thing uh, where people start talking about like, hey, do I get a plate carrier or a chest rig first? Mm -hmm. And I've been telling people for a couple of years now, like, no, get a chest rig first. Like, yeah, you can order a carrier from us or, yeah, you can order armor from us, but get a chest rig. And we haven't necessarily sold a, you know, one and done chest rig, you know, not yet. Um, but that's something that we're still doing. We've been doing a lot during the during all the protesting and the riots and then also the pandemic where people have asked us, like, what such and such accessory should I get? And maybe we sell it or maybe it's out of stock and we literally tell them where to go buy it where it is in stock. Um, and that's something we're always going to do, whether we end up selling, you know, everyone's product in the industry. You know, if we don't have it in stock, we'll tell them where to go buy it, where it is in stock, even if that's not where we sell it, because that's the ultimate goal is serving the customer. And it may mean them going somewhere else. And that's fine with me as long as they get the product. I don't really care if they buy it from us. Uh, I don't really care if they buy it from someone else as long as they get that item before they really need the item and don't have it in time, which is what we're seeing where people are like, you know, well, it looks like I need armor now, but there's no armor to get because people weren't prepared. They didn't get it, you know, months ago, years ago. Uh, so there's no inventory. And uh, I, our goal is basically to prevent that from happening as much as possible, which leads me to kind of our second objective, which we started to get a little more uh, aggressive on, uh, prioritize a little more, and that is really trying as hard as we as hard as we can to keep stuff in stock uh, to a point of not just relying on a manufacturer to give us the item. So like, let's say EOTech, uh, not just buying EOTech products from EOTech specifically, but if there's other distributors trying to get them from them, even if it costs us more money, we get less markup, less margin. No, we go scoop them up wherever we can. Uh, Aimpoint products, you know, other retail stuff, um, even raw materials that we use for making holsters. Like we don't just rely on the comfort of our normal vendor who gives us the best rate. We'll go get them from anywhere, provided we can keep them on our site, keep them in stock. Um, that's been a real big one. Our new inventory manager, Brian, he's 
uh, he's awesome. He's been, he'll come in and be like, I just ordered such and such amount of things. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot, but we need it. So <laughs> yeah. it's okay. And some of these numbers are, they're a little new to me. They're, yeah. they're a little high. Um, but he'll tell me like, yep, I went to four different places to stock this one item. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have done that. Uh, we didn't need to do it as much, um, but we're going and trying to get products from other people, even if it costs us more and we make less because our goal is to keep everything stocked at all times, which right now is impossible, pretty much. Um, next year, I'm hoping we can actually keep everything in stock longer than a couple days, but uh, that's what we're trying to do. That's a huge priority now is just in stock, yeah. in stock, shipping right away, uh, no back orders um, unless it's a product we make that we have control over. And we just try to serve the customer as a company. Like if I go to buy a product, that's what I want. And Mm -hmm. so I want to offer the same service that I would want as a customer because I am a consumer. I buy stuff all the time and I want the same service from other companies that we provide. Well, this uh, demand climate, I think it really shows the character of companies a lot brighter Mm -hmm. and a lot easier to see. And uh, it's been kind of a joy to just watch you guys sort of sail through this because you already had uh, the right things in place. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your journey uh, with being the CEO of the company. So I know early on it was like you in an oven and like sweating mm-hmm. and, you know, yep. a hairdryer. And then it, it kind of progressed into you uh, really pushing the content and product development and just hanging out with you here at the at the HQ and walking around. Uh, I see your role changing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that evolution that's happened throughout this, you know, crazy last six, eight months. Yeah, so uh, last year, year before, I was basically, and well, really three years, I went from working in you know the shop making holsters and training people to do my job, and then transitioning to marketing, which is what I did for a few years. You know, shooting a lot, you know, hundred thousand rounds one year, eighty thousand another. You know, buying guns, playing with configurations, planning what products to retail, which we launched like three or four years ago, like the Aimpoints, the Eotex, and Surefire stuff like that. Uh, this year really, I, my role changed a lot more to actually being the CEO. So before I had the title of CEO and founder, cause you know, that's what I did. Um, but I wasn't executing the duties of a CEO every day cause I was the marketing director. So I mainly did that and then would come in once a week on Wednesday for our leadership meeting, uh, which is the thing I stood up and I would then act as the CEO basically in that meeting, a few meetings outside of that. And that was really it. But this year We've doubled our, our employee count, so there's a lot of on you know training going on, onboarding going on, also vision castings. We got new employees coming in, um, some of which are in higher level positions where they don't know exactly what the goal is. You know, is the goal sell as many products as possible, or is the goal uh, sell only the most Gucci products as possible, or is it um, manufacture you know budget products that have you know less quality because we're just trying to get out as many as possible. So our brand obviously affects some of those decisions. So a lot of my meetings and work this year has just been you know no this is the vision of the company here's where we're going forecasting this year next year how many employees how many you know buildings we just bought another building next door another ten thousand square feet it's like what do we need to do for next year what systems do we have to put in place and then basically how much more corporate do we have to become. Um, because at the end of the day, like as we're scaling in order to scale gracefully and efficiently, we've got to have systems in place. And when you're a smaller company of like 20 people, 10 people, you all know each other, you can get away with a lot of, you know, not having certain systems cause you're ta- you're not having to t- you keep track of like 50 conversations going on with, you know, 10 different departments. It's like, oh yeah, you over here, I know you, you know, Tom, you're doing this thing. I already know it. You know, I talked to you yesterday, you know, cause there's less people going on. Um, but as soon as you start having, we're up to like 65 or, uh, I've lost track. Um, there's a couple of people coming in like every week. It's, you know, keeping track of conversations that get had, getting, you know, keeping track of projects and decisions that are made and, um, having ops meetings in the morning, meetings with the marketing team, you know, you know, every, every week and then the leadership meeting and then the officer meeting with me and my partners. And it's turned into just a lot of meetings, a lot of time in the conference room. And then I actually recently a lot of time making PowerPoints. Mm-hmm. So one example is, uh, we had our stream banned on YouTube, uh, three times in a row in one, in one go. We're talking about rifles. Uh, then I moved over to Instagram and that got banned within 12 minutes. Um, so that night I, I wasn't, I was a little, I guess, worried you could say, cause like, okay, we're actually getting like, we're getting banned right now. Cause we have this sort of, we have a plan for like when that happens. Cause at some point it will, but I was like, okay, it's, it's now like yeah. we could hit, this could happen in during the election in like three weeks. So I quickly built a PowerPoint, put all my stuff on it, all my notes. I called an emergency redundancy meeting 
And then the next morning, I think it was at 10 or something like that, we all rolled in. I ran through the PowerPoint, explained three scenarios, uh, partial Armageddon, uh, <laughs> mid-tier Armageddon, and full Armageddon. Um, yeah, full full Armageddon. I think there's something over there. But full Armageddon is basically like you're, you're blacklisted on Google searches, you're on no more social media, and then you have to rely on – you know, other YouTube channels that aren't banned, uh, print advertising, word of ma- like there's just other things, and then the strategy changes. Um, you know, that, that kind of meeting, calling the people together and stuff like that, like I wasn't doing that a year ago. I was just running around shooting guns and doing videos and educational stuff. Uh, but this year it's a lot more of that, a lot more management, explaining stuff, educating staff. Um, and, and I actually really enjoy that. I'm enjoying that more than shooting. Like, I don't shoot that much anymore, mm-hmm. sadly. Plus, tendonitis in my left hand doesn't help. But uh, So I'm not shooting as much this year. Maybe only like 40,000 rounds, probably something like that, which I guess during COVID is still decent-ish. Um, but I, I actually am really enjoying moving more into a CEO role with more management um, you know, a lot more people stuff because, you know, that's generally what you have to focus a, a lot on, you know, when you're in a management position, CEO position, unless running around, I don't know. I had a weird job description back then. I don't know. Running around shooting guns. That's yeah, what I did. It was, that was my job. Yeah, but the, the evolution is uh, is really interesting to watch because the, the need for that is sort uh-huh. of, you know, dissipated or evaporated, at least for a temporary amount of time. Like uh, one of my questions that I kind of had planned for later, but it actually plays in right now. Uh, how do we as a community, if you zoom out a little bit more to just the gun industry as a whole, we're all mm-hmm. going to face that same banning that you just talked about, in in my opinion, mm-hmm. in some regard or another. So how do we together combat that? Is it independent websites? Is it independent medium? How do you think uh, we sort of fight back against all of this uh, censorship that we're facing online? So I'm still trying to figure that out. Okay. I don't have the answers. Sure, um, sure. One thing, so obviously the big one I get on Instagram is just go start your own Instagram. And I'm like, yeah. sorry, it doesn't work that way. Or like go start a gun YouTube. And yeah. the reason the specific um, sites like that don't work is they don't have the mainstream populace on them. Mm-hmm. So if I go start tomorrow, T-Rex gunvideo.com and I start that tomorrow and I put all of our sickest video clips on there. The only people that will follow that are people that are already gun people. Mm -hmm. But the goal in marketing or should be the goal in marketing is you reach new people, new customers. And our goal isn't just focusing on, you know, specific demographics. Like there's some companies that focus on competition. Mm -hmm. So they're not trying to outreach to people that aren't into guns. They only focus on like GMs, master level competition shooters wanting certain, you know, holsters or belts. Uh, or certain companies, you've probably seen them that they, they, their marketing is more like special operations style and they only market to veterans. Uh, they're not, they don't have a lot of outreach for broader community, mainstream people, which is something we've really tried to do with like the gaming stuff, um, with some of our other content that's a little more cool, but it's not straight up law enforcement militaristic or you know anything in particular it's a little more mainstream um that's something we've really tried to do but that's kind of the problem with those specific sites that are like gun related is you'll only get gun people Mm -hmm. so they're smaller it's a smaller you know demographic of people and it it is unfortunate like if we're all banned off of the mainstream platforms that have you know hundreds of millions of people on there like a third of the population of the world on youtube or whatever it is quarter of the population like that does definitely affect some of the the education and culture that we can you know promote. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out what the solution is. I mean, forums. I love the idea of forums. You know, being able to talk to people, but they uh, generally revolve into just the people that have too much time on their hands being on there who don't have a lot to offer. So you don't get a lot of the uh, like the experts on there because the experts are out doing expert things so they're not really on the forums um, so that's kind of unfortunate <laughs> with forums specifically because I'd love to do a forum I just know what it would turn into it would turn into just this, this gossip girl like weird kind of a degenerate place um, so that doesn't really work real well in my opinion although it could be an option in the future um, there's some things that we're looking at as a company more exclusive content through our site newsletters uh, some special video training videos I may do where you get a private you get a special Special link through the newsletter, uh, through our newsletter, to watch it. It's not put on Instagram. It's not on YouTube. It's only through that newsletter. And if you get it and you watch it, you watch it. And if you don't get it, then you never see it because we don't put it anywhere. Okay. Uh, so there's some stuff like that we're thinking about. There's like Patreon. There's paywall exclusives. And that obviously requires that you already have uh, a decent customer base or fan base to take advantage of a system like that. 
but I don't know as far as like creating a a sort of a you know a unifying location where everyone can kind of go. As most companies wouldn't even go there; they'd have their own thing. So I'm not sure. The bigger the bigger elephant in the room, I think people are forgetting about is Google, mm-hmm. because let's say YouTube bans a bunch of us and Instagram bans a bunch of us. You can still get Googled. Like if you Google appendix holster, T-Rex is number three. But if Google all of a sudden goes, yeah, no, we don't like T-Rex arms. We're going to remove them off of our search list. Well, now you can't find T-Rex at all. Like there's no way of finding T-Rex unless it's word of mouth. You're handed a business card or another, like another person with word of mouth on YouTube says, oh, yeah, this holster I bought was from T-Rex arms. And then people literally type in T-Rex-arms.com and hit enter and it goes to our server and it's on our site. So Google, I actually think, is the bigger one where they start hiding search results. They start actually blacklisting sites. That To me, that's full Armageddon because then it's like, yeah, you're not going to get found that easily once you lose that. But as far as some sort of unifying, I mean, there's events, um, you know, expos. I've thought about that. Like, oh, it would be fun to do a T-Rex expo. But it's like, yeah, that'd be a lot of people. It's only our people, again, not marketing to mainstream demographic of people I'm trying to bring in. Um, that's the hard part. Marketing to your demographic you already have, that's easy. You know, talking to your fan base you already have, that's easy. What's hard is getting new people. Mm-hmm. That's the tricky part. And that's the part that I think companies don't think about enough. They it, usually think about their own fan base first. And it's really the important part, too. I agree. Uh, so the last time I saw you, you were speaking at uh, the University of Wyoming about uh, the debate on gun control mm-hmm. and, you know, some facts and some myths. And now in the current climate, uh, the debate has cooled off a little bit. Yep. But I think we both probably have a lot of faith that it will uh, flare back up oh, at I'm some sure. point or another. Uh, so how do you set the activism aside for a sec? But at the same time, how are you preparing to uh, gear back up when that debate flares back up? Are you going to get back into the activism when the debate flares again? Or are you going to have a new strategy when you come back? Because I know that's something that was really important to you. Yep. And I, I don't imagine that that's faded. Oh, that ain't going away, yeah. ever. <laughs> um, so one strategy right now, because obviously I've transitioned more to CEO stuff. I'd love to do a tour next year and travel around and speak at stuff, or and then podcasts and other things like that. But one thing that I've been working on, and it's starting to work, it's a it's a strategy I've had for a little over a year now, <laughs> is um, there's other demographics that the gun community is not in, and one of them is video gaming. Yeah. And the video game, if you look at the video game industry, the video game industry brings in billions of dollars. You've got hundreds of millions of gamers. Like, you're literally reaching a large population, like, percentage of the world in the video game arena. So, what I've started doing for the past, like, year and a half is I do more gaming stuff. I publish it. I stream on Twitch. Um, In the process of doing this, uh, there's some high-level gamers who found our content because, again, we make some mainstream content that's not, you know, specifically targeted to, you know, military or, let's say, competition or law enforcement. Like, it's a more more broad, cool type of video uh, that brings some of these people in. And uh, they start watching it, and they're like, oh, this guy's interesting. He does gun stuff. He's also a gamer, so he's one of us is kind of how they see it. So there's some – they identify with, you know, what's going on. They're like, oh, he plays Call of Duty, and, you know, he can, he can – he's got a decent KD. So they're a little more interested. It piques their interest. Uh, and then they end up coming out to the range, and I educate them about – plate carriers and night vision and guns and then they go and talk to their streamer buddies who have like for comparison uh i had a guy out uh, this weekend crim six he's a champion cod league player for like the past i think eight years he's won 36 tournaments he makes a lot of money playing call of duty which i know some people kind of scoff at like oh he just plays video games and like all right well hang on <laughs> when he streams i got onto a stream the other night he had twenty thousand people watching live i will have 600 people live on an Instagram stream and we'll have about 2,500 on our YouTube. So these gamers will have 20,000 people live at once. And the bigger guys like Dr. Disrespect will go all the way up to, he had half a million people watch him for his first stream back on YouTube. So if the goal is influencing and educating people, Mm -hmm. you can't dismiss the kind of influence that the video game industry is having. So it was really fun hanging out with Krim, and he started uh, texting some of his buddies who stream with 30,000 people and starts talking to them about guns and body armor, and he got some night vision, and now everyone's talking about his night vision. Other streamers, it's the talk of town. Hey, this guy went out and bought real-world equipment, and he's a Call of Duty gamer. Mm-hmm. That kind of activism is – it's not as out in the open like you go to a college and you're like, hey, pro-gun, you know, anti-gun, here's the stuff. It's much more um, – 
I guess, organic. Mm-hmm. It's much more relatable, and it's also more, um, in some ways, it's a little more, oh, what's a good word? Um, ah, shoot, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with words for this. It's a covert strategy. Basically, yes. Um, it's more appealing, is, yeah. what, is what I was getting at. Because um, it kind of starts with gaming. And yeah. the thing is, I got into guns because of gaming. Modern yeah. Warfare 2 really piqued my interest in guns and stuff. That's why I got into this stuff so hard and did certain things. Um, so that's kind of a strategy that I've been working on a lot this year. Uh, it's working out. Uh, I've t- I talk to a lot of different streamers right now. There's a few others, and I game with them. We talk about gun stuff. We're going to have them out to the range. And that kind of activism is something that gets a lot of people into guns. It gets a lot of people thinking about, like, oh, yeah, night vision's a thing. Body armor's a thing. I've had some of them talk to me and be like, bro, I didn't used to, like, politics or what's going on, but, like, I'm paying attention. Some of your memes really got me thinking. Like, this is serious stuff. And beforehand, they're just streaming on Twitch, you know, getting donations and money and whatnot. And now they're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on I actually need to think about. And then potentially talk about to their 30,000 people. So those kinds of strategies are really what I think organizations like the NRA or, you know, uh, GOA or farms companies that say they're activists but aren't really doing anything. Like these are the kinds of strategies people need to be having, thinking outside the gun industry, preaching to the choir. Like it's great, but let's face it, it's preaching to the choir and actually going out and trying to find new people and explain to them why this stuff is important and then figure out strategies how to do that. I mean, originally my uh, my dad was kind of like, oh, you're gaming a lot and streaming a lot. And he, he wasn't real sure about it, which is fine. And now he's like, okay, I totally get why you're doing it. I see, I see what it's doing. And he's been in here in our conference room explaining it to people. Um, like he gets it now. Uh, he sees exactly what's going on. And I think that's the kind of thing that people need to be, you know, thinking about out outside of the box strategies for educating people. Um, and the other fun part is gaming isn't restricted by these places like shooting is. So me going around and streaming, me gaming, talking about guns and politics, is actually. Uh, less threatening to some of these platforms than me actually showing guns. And that's another thing companies need to be thinking about as far as like censorship and stuff like that. So, so the, speaking of your dad, the last time I saw you, you talked <clears throat> about how he instilled uh, the hills that you want to die on. Uh-huh. I'm curious in the last year, has those hills evolved in any form or have they taken more shape guiding you to a different direction or, or a hill that you're more passionate about that you weren't the last time I saw you? I'm probably more passionate about the about preparing people, to be honest, especially with the riots, you know, going the way they are, people getting pulled out of their cars, getting beaten to death, like, and that's happening on American soil. It's not like this is happening, you know, in the Middle East or happening in Africa or happening, like, you know, thousands of miles away in another part of the world nobody's ever been to it, that subconsciously in our brains, we think, ah, that place doesn't exist. I've never been there. Like a lot of people, they feel like America's all that matters. It's the only place that I know. Everywhere else in the world is like some fantasy land I see on TV and I never go there or do whatever. And I've been to Africa. Very fortunate. My dad took me to Africa. I worked a job over there. Uh, same with Europe. So I've been able to see some stuff and that's been great. But um, seeing you know these things happen on American soil, I think has really it's made a lot of us here at the company go, wow, our responsibility for equipping people, it's, it's, it's become a lot more significant over the past, you know, eight, nine months. Um, I mean, previously it was, I mean, the reason we prepare in peacetime is so that war hopefully never happens. Um, and so we have the goal in the back of our minds, like that's what we're working towards. But this year it's like, okay. And we have meetings every week about, you know, Hey, what about carrying this product? What about this one? What about this? What do we need to equip people with? Like, we uh, filmed a content day yesterday for Instagram, and I had some fun drills I wanted to shoot. We had AKs and stuff like that, and instead I went, you know what? It'd probably be most effective for people if I grab one of our less experienced shooters, bring him out to the range, and I teach him how to shoot, and I just post that content on Instagram, which is basically free educational material people can have during COVID. Um, you know, if they can't go to the range and dry firing and whatnot, so. It's more boring content because it's just me telling someone how to shoot. It's not me running around with an AK and a balaclava smoking cars with flashing lights and cool music. Like, that's fun. It's more fun to me. But I was like, you know what? It's more effective to do this educational thing. We're going to focus on that instead. So some of those messages are being more emphasized. Um, I don't think anything's really changed this year. We are just getting more serious as to where we fall 
in the industry mm-hmm. and what kind of influence we have, especially with armor, um, you know, providing people armor, getting enough armor, putting up commitments and stuff like that so we can get more armor to get people because they waited too long. Um, some of those things are just more emphasized, and we're taking them a lot more seriously with time, money, effort, you know, hiring people, um, you know, prioritizing certain things over other things. I've dropped so many projects this year, so many YouTube videos I wanted to do we're not doing. Instead, it's like I'll do a video on dry fire. I would rather do a video shooting something or doing a certain thing, but it's like, no, I'll do a video on dry fire. So a lot of stuff has uh, changed and priorities have um, increased, uh, but nothing's really, I don't want to say anything new has come to light necessarily. Basically just more emphasis on some of these existing uh, hills. They've gotten taller. Yeah, so I got to go up them and then die is so, what I need to do. Well, that's so that kind of wraps me into my next question. So I'm going to wrap a little assumption in this. Okay. Uh, you're a polarizing figure. People love sure. you. People love to hate you. It's, it's they lovely. Love to, they love to run their mouth in your comment section. Uh, one thing that I've sort of seen with you this year is uh, a bit of calm, a bit of peace uh, with where you are and what you're doing as, uh-huh. as it relates to the hate that you receive sometimes. Yep. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about how this year has changed your perspective and uh, your comfort with what you're doing. Because, uh, I, I mean, regardless of your confidence in the way you see the world, uh-huh. uh, this year has definitely been a vindication that you've been right for, yeah. for years years past. And a lot of those haters, like you said, had to swallow their words. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how that satisfaction has sort of you know seeped in throughout the course mm-hmm. of this year. So... Part of human nature, I believe, is uh, being validated by other people, fear of man. We mm-hmm. care what other people think about us. Sure. I've suffered from that for since I was a baby and understood what that was. Um, there have been some years where it was a little more than others where I really cared what people thought. Um, there's always some of that. In the back of my mind, I'm like, what do people really think about my personal brand? What do they think about my company? Uh, what do they think about the people, you know, the customer service team and how we're responding to people? So there's always a, a care about that. Um, the difference is when you when you let that start to take priority over well your job your duties to your people and so a big thing that I've I've really been thinking about this year and trying to remind myself is I got people out there that hate me probably thousands of people out there that hate me we've got sixty five ish employees right now we'll, we'll we're gonna get up to like probably eighty by the end of the year but then they've got you know in their family you know three four five more people so. Uh, us in the leadership team, the C-level guys, so the CFO, us partners, we're inherently responsible for like 300 people and mm-hmm. their livelihoods. And especially when COVID hit, we had plans for uh, – one thing we actually did is before the stimulus check went out, months before the stimulus check went out, we actually gave out a internal stimulus check from all of us partners to everyone in the company to go get uh, supplies. So we gave everyone a few hundred dollars and said, hey, go use this money for preparation. Don't go buy an Xbox with this. Use this money for this stuff and be ready. So we try to take care of our people. And at the end of the kind of what I've been reminding myself over this year is, you know, regardless of how many haters there are, mm-hmm. the 300 people that I'm responsible for right now and other companies, you know, that we buy from that we're also helping employ some of those people. It's actually more like probably 500, 600 people. Like those are the people that really matter to me, mm-hmm. um, who really matter first. The second people that matter, obviously the community, the people listening to this right now, um, and people have seen that. Like we prioritize community over like other industry, like the elite, you know, or whatever. Um, but my people come first. And so whenever I've had people be like, oh, and say some dumb crap or make up stories about me, because those are always hilarious as how they change every year. Uh, I'm like, that's fine. They can say that. It's cool. I'm worrying about my 300 people and, you know, keeping job security for them, you know, hiring more people, giving them a good job. I mean, hiring Americans at the end of the day, like I've, I've kind of give up on the idea of being the best shooter. I had that years ago and talked to people like JJ about it. And I was like, yeah, it'd be really cool to be the best shooter, you know, best rifle, pistol, whatever. Yeah. And now I'm like, nope, I, I really don't care about that. I would rather be the best CEO that I can be and treat people the best that I can mm-hmm. and then have a family of my own. And to me, that's more important than, you know, getting a GM card or shooting three gun or like competition's awesome for my priorities for this year, especially this year. It's no, my people matter first. Yeah. If I can do the other stuff, that's awesome. I love it. It's fun if I can fit it in, but the people come first and the people come first outside all the haters and outside all the people that have opinions about things they don't know or don't understand. So the calm that I have is, 
you know, being able to see the positive impact I've had on people's lives over the past few years, uh, obviously seeing some people swallow their words and be like, oh, you know what? You were right. Some of those really weird LARPy looking drills you did years ago makes sense. Like, that's fun. It's sort of cherry, you know, cherry on the top. Uh, but the big one is knowing that, you know, during this time where people have been laid off from their jobs, we haven't had to lay a single person off. Yeah. during COVID. That's been the real big one for me is we can actually, you know, provide jobs to people um, so they don't have to worry about, you know, not having a job, you know, getting on unemployment, um, you know, n- and not being able to afford certain things they wanted to afford or maybe food. Um, like we, we took care of our people and that was, that was really a big, a big goal for me this year, a big goal for us this year. We were able to do it, been able to do it so far. I mean, who knows what will happen next month? I mean, killer hornets or something could fly in and just, you know, disrupt everything. Yeah. But um, that's kind of been the calmness for me is knowing we've really had a positive impact that I can look back on that's happening every day with just the people here. You know, I walk into the shop, I see them all, I uh, talk to them, and that's, I think that's been a big contributing uh, part to the calm is just that right there. Yeah, so. you know, your supporters are probably much quieter than your haters. It's and, generally uh, true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this year for me anyway, it was uh it was it was nice to see uh, all the people that you'd impacted that felt mm-hmm. safer, that felt more ready. You know, and I I do this podcast thing. I travel around the country. I take courses with uh, you know, just young fathers in Utah or yep. you know, some older older gentlemen with older kids in uh, in Tennessee and and I've seen your impact uh, on a micro level and mm-hmm. seeing their their preparedness and how they were able to get through this much better than maybe some people that didn't agree with your, uh, your message. It's been, it's been kind of one of the silver linings for me this year, watching uh, all that stuff sort mm-hmm. of rise to the top and, and sort of shut up a lot of the haters in a, in a very indirect manner. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people are curious about is like who. Um, yes. So, so take me back to, uh, when you first found out he was coming, what you expected, and then what you saw and sort of that experience from your perspective. Uh-huh. So I had known about Like You for a while, mm-hmm. obviously. I was tagged many times, like, do you know about this guy? I'm like, of course. <laughs> I've seen him many times. I even follow him yeah. on Instagram. Um, so when I heard a couple of my friends were bringing him out, I, I hadn't really talked to them. So I was a little shocked, like, oh, wait, you're actually doing this. Because yeah. we talked about it before, like, oh, yeah, let's bring him out. And I always saw it as like, no, it's not going to happen. He's in another country. It's not going to work um, just for whatever reason. But they were like, no, 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 we're bringing him out. Like, we're getting donations. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, this is happening. And I was like, is he going to skim me alive? I was like, I don't know. Um, he came out, and honestly, he was uh, – he didn't, he didn't fanboy at all. Now, it might have been he didn't know English. It might be part of culture. Like they're a little more – honestly, they may be a little more dignified than us Americans. Wouldn't surprise me at all um, if Japanese culture nowadays is way more dignified than Americans. I feel like it wouldn't be that hard uh, to be more dignified than us. But he was super dignified, um, very respectful, um, and we just had a really good time. And we went to dinner, and uh, they actually – some of the other guys got to hang out with him a little more than I did because he was like staying with them and stuff. Um, but uh, it was – it was really fascinating that that whole thing, watching him shoot, uh, but also just just seeing his level of uh, dignity with all of us, mm-hmm. and um, and even when we kind of interviewed him and we took turns with the little translator and talked to him about stuff, he was just he was just a really good guy, yeah. um, and that's you didn't necessarily see that in the YouTube video, um, which just keeps exploding like every month. It's up to like seven million views now, and that video has impacted a lot of people in the training industry and airsoft uh, world, which has been super cool. And also brought gamers in. That's also an interesting uh, part of it. But um, it, you, a lot of people in the video didn't see that, you know, the level of dignity from him. They mainly just saw him shooting the guns. That was it. Um, but going out to, you know, going out to dinner with him, airsofting with him at one point, you know, in the evening on one of those days and stuff, he was just great. He was just a great person to be around. And uh, we're, we had plans to bring him back yeah. in uh, like May or something. But uh didn't work with COVID, obviously, with all the countries getting shut down, and ours, basically. Um, we had plans to bring him back, and what I actually really wanted to do is I wanted to take him to the NRA convention. Oh, that would have been And funny. I wanted to walk him around and let it and see what he thought about that, because, yeah. you know, it's a big American convention. 
guns, <laughs> FUDs. Uh, so I was really interested in doing that. And then they canceled and then COVID and all that stuff. But that would be a fun video. It would be taking him to SHOT Show or taking him to NRA or something and walking around with him and seeing what he thinks. Yeah. Um, that's what I wanted to do. And then more shooting, of course, because sure. uh, that's what he wanted to do. So uh, next year, we're hoping next year to be able to do something like that. And uh, he's he's always invited. Whenever he wants to come out, it's like, yeah, you're you're always welcome to come back and shoot. And he and he, he loves that. So, but he's doing well. I still follow him. He's posted some really good uh, videos since then. Um, he's also handled. That's one thing is, um, you know, when someone's given. Um, I've, I've seen people receive fame, and they uh, there's really there's a couple ways you take it. You you it, you take it poorly, and you make bad decisions, or you take it well, and you understand that your responsibility has gone up. Yeah. Um, and for him, he he's just he's still himself. He's yeah. himself back when he had ten thousand followers, uh, just the same as now. He's got like eighty. Like he's the he's the same person, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, there's always sort of that. You know, you give someone, um, you know, your platform or you do a video with them. And you're not sure exactly what's going to happen, uh, but he, it's just the same stuff. Same training videos, same airsoft. He's done some VR stuff recently, which is cool. He did some three-gun stuff. He can quad load a shotgun better than I can. And I actually have a $3,000 Benelli, like, optimized shotgun that I don't know how to quad load, which I need to learn, like, this week, literally this <laughs> week before the match, uh, the Memorial three-gun. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's doing great. So we'll, we'll have him back at some point, hopefully soon. But I think a lot of people are probably looking forward to that. They ask, uh, that's the biggest question for a YouTube video I have is, it used to be, when's the Arsenal AK video? Because I said at the end of that one, oh, I'll be back. And I never did. Yeah. Um, so that was bad. Bad branding, bad commitment to uh, my fan base. Uh, but now the question is Liku. So okay. that's nice. Uh, when's Liku coming back? That's an appropriate uh, substitution. Yes, I agree. You uh, you undoubtedly inspired him down to the American Eagle shirts that oh, uh, yes. both used oh, to wear. Discontinued shirts, yeah. I might add. <laughs> now they're probably hard to find. Yep. Um, who inspires you? Who inspires Lucas now? And that I don't want to restrict oh, that to the gun community either. Uh, um, and, and particularly outside of your family, because I know you're very close with yes. your family, very inspired by your brothers and dad. Oh, shoot. That's a, that's a really big question. Um, there are... There are things of people, um, you know, parts of people that really inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple like business mentors. They really inspire me in some of their leadership capabilities. Um, you know, they're not necessarily the best shooter, and that's fine because shooting is like one percent. Um, but I see how they run their businesses or how they treat their people, and I go, I really like that about this person. And these are people I can't necessarily name. Uh, so there's some of those people. Um, there's been there've been a couple special operations guys I've gotten to know over the past couple of years. Um, from the unit or from wherever, where I've just gone out to eat with them, just mm-hmm. gone out to have a beer, and we and I ask them, kind of interview them on like, hey, you know, how, how how did you guys function in this kind of environment? What were your standards of professionalism? And literally, just in the way they explained it or talked about it, I was like, I want to be like this guy when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be kicking doors and running after terrorists and stuff. I'm not even doing that, but the same level of professionalism that they have for some of the ta- tasks and jobs and relying on other people like I like that stuff I want that stuff that they have so it's kind of a it's not one person and I wish it, it'd be easier if it was one person I could look at one person yeah. and go I want to everything you got you know your communication your business savvy your you know how you treat people you as a person like it'd be awesome if there's just one person um, but it's a lot it's parts of a lot of different people of course you know my dad is is one that I definitely try to be like um, but it's a, it's parts of different people that I know that I really appreciate, and um, you know, and then try to spend time with them. Surround yourself with people better than yourself. That's sure. the best advice that like I've ever had that I'll probably ever give anyone is surround yourself with people better than you. It's not always fun because you know it's kind of fun when there's other people you know asking you questions or whatever, and you know you're the dominant figure in the room. Like sure, that's fun. But that's not always good for you, and that's not always a good place to be as far as ego, arrogance, and pride and all that you know nasty stuff. Surround yourself with people better, and you will be better off for it every year. So, so somebody asked you this on Instagram. It was actually like I think six weeks ago, and mm-hmm. one of your answers was Tucker Carlson. Yes. And I was wondering what is it about him uh, that, that you aspire to or that you uh, admire about his – his character and his speech, and mm-hmm. wh- why did you say Tucker Carlson? So something that I've appreciated about him more recently is he's not backing down mm-hmm. from all of the opposition and the haters and whatnot. And 
there's a lot of we're seeing a lot of people that do. Yeah. We're seeing you know evil succeeds when good men do nothing. And I don't agree with Tucker Carlson on everything, just like I don't agree with Dr. Peterson on everything. I've learned a lot of good things from Dr. Peterson, um, even just down to communication stuff. I haven't watched any of his stuff recently, but I remember when I found Dr. Peterson, I watched a lot of stuff. Like I would get in bed, and instead of watching um, Instagram, like scrolling Instagram, I'd go watch a Jordan Peterson interview because I really wanted to see how he did those. Uh, but Tucker Carl- Carlson has been really cool. You know, obviously with the election coming up, things heating up, is he calls things out the way they are. And he generally doesn't water down his message. Now, whether you like it or not, like he really doesn't water it down. Um, I'm actually surprised he's, he's still around right now, at least as of when this podcast gets published. Um, so that's been the cool thing to me is seeing uh, how courageous he's being. At, he, could, he could be a little more politically correct, keep his job, have some job security, but he's just like, no, this, I've had enough. I'm going to talk about what's going on. I'm going to say it the way it is. And I, I usually see something that he posts like once a week on Instagram. I don't scroll Instagram that much anymore, but when I watch it, I'm like, that's really sound. And he's using some arguments that, you know, people aren't making online that are very logical or he's tying it back to history, which is great when people do that. People really need to read history more because we repeat history is generally how it works if we don't study it. And um, that's what I've appreciated about him is just that that courage that he has in the face of, you know, all the censorship going on and people calling him out for stuff and, you know, trying to dox him and dox his house. And uh, there's just a lot more of that opposition coming up and you're going to see more people cower to it or stand up to it. So anyone who stands up to it, even if I don't agree with their message 100%, I agree with their message 80%, 90%, 70%. I got a lot of respect for them. Even if I'm like, yeah, I don't like this guy because he is pro this, anti that. If they're standing up to you know the bullies and they're standing up to the opposition, they have respect. Yeah. And I, uh, Tucker Carlson is definitely one of the people right now who's probably standing up I don't want to say the most, but he's definitely up there in like the top 10 people standing up to it, which I think is great, even though I don't agree with everything he says or does. When you answered that, I I drew a lot of similarities between you and him. I think you guys receive a lot of unfair hate, but you handle it and stand Mm -hmm. up to it in the appropriate way. I think for Tucker, what motivates him has changed recently. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious for you, what motivates you now? So... I'm guessing that in the initial part of the business, you needed some more capital, some more money, you needed some more followers, you obtained those things. So what is it that motivates Lucas Botkin now to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish? Uh, rain, yeah. uh, for starters. Uh, rain helps. Uh, a little, a little, a little uh, unpaid sponsorship there, Ed. Um, that's a good question. Um, the interesting thing is, in the past few years, I have, uh, I've definitely, like, I notice you know, testimonies from people a lot more. Like mm-hmm. I got, I guess, more endorphins from it because, you know, that's what social media does. Yeah. Likes, you get endorphins and like, ah, oh, this video did well. Like <laughs> I don't really get that as much anymore. I love getting feedback from people. I read all my DMs. I don't respond to all of them. Um, I really appreciate messages from people when they're like, hey, thank you for changing my perspective on XYZ. And uh, that stuff really, it, that motivates me a lot. Um, but I think s- some of the things that are motivating me more now is – Really trying to get people – I want to see people prepared so much for what could happen in the future that it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's what motivates me right now because I don't want a civil war in this country. None of us should. I know people like to romanticize about it. I don't want to see it happen. And the only way we can prevent it from happening is getting so many people prepared and so many people willing to do something about it that it can't happen. Uh, the best battle that was ever fought uh, was the Battle of Runnymede. 1215, Magna Carta, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. The barons showed up in full force because of the tyranny of Prince John. There was no battle. So they literally showed up and were like, sorry, dude, we're not going to go about this. We're going to fight you if we have to. You're going to sign this document that basically says that you're not above the law and we have rights and that's how it's going to go down. And no battle was fought. And ultimately, that's what we should want. There's so much opposition. There's so many red-blooded Americans who have morals and principles that no civil war will happen in the future. So that's what is really motivating me is getting so many people prepared, and not just with guns, not just with plate carriers, not just with night vision, but prepared with ideals and ideas that when something happens or when a bunch of you know rabble get busted into a city to tear the whole city down, enough people stand up that 
they have to leave because they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's how you win with enough opposition that there's no point in fighting because the other side will just drastically lose. Uh, so that's the thing that really motivates me right now is, you know, building a bigger platform so that we can influence more people. Because obviously having a bigger platform generally means you, there's more eyes on your content. So the bigger the platform we can have, the better. Uh, we had some meetings recently where I was like, goal is, you know, reach and, you know, help as many people as possible. We're not going to specialize down to like this small subsidiary in the gun industry of like SF dudes or competition. I want it to be as broad as we can with the brand that we have so we can help the most amount of people and get our message to the most amount of people. Um, so that's that's part of it right now, especially with you know censorship going on and whatnot. It's like how much time do I really have to get in front of people and explain some of my messages before I'm you know nuked off of YouTube? So that's another that's another big you know motivating factor is I look at it as I've got finite time on planet Earth. I've got another you know 50 years or whatever, but I've probably only got a couple years, maybe or one year of having a large audience to talk to and help. And so that's really what motivates me is that kind of timeline i've put in the back of my head of i got limited time to maximize our youtube and maximize instagram and maximize these systems of reaching normal people mainstream people that aren't already into guns people that are not in the choir um that's really what's motivating me right now and we have meetings about it all the time about you know you know how can we do this or that to get this in front of these people and this in front of these people and how can we get these people you know thinking for themselves and you know politically or you know with firearms or um, with equipment so they're not just relying on us to tell them exactly what to buy they really should think for themselves it's better more effective and you live life better thinking for yourself instead of relying on a role model um, these are conversations we're conversations we're having all the time here at the company um so that's probably the big motivating factor right now is time mm-hmm. um just knowing i only got a couple years you know uh, potentially before everything's turned off to really get in front of people and try to get some of these messages out and uh, stuff like this or podcast it's a great way to get a message out to a lot of people love it um but yeah got a couple of years maybe more mm-hmm. i'm hoping more but I'm looking at it like eh, a couple of years before full censorship, you know, Fahrenheit, 451, you know, everything's burned. Um, and then strategies will change. It'll be a little different then if that happens. But hopefully it doesn't happen because we get enough people talking about this, enough people, you know, like the Barons in 1215 where mm-hmm. YouTube and Facebook were like, ah, yeah, we can't ban. We can't ban everyone. And everyone thinks these things now. So we're kind of screwed. That's my goal is everyone is on the same page as much as possible so that none of this stuff can even happen in a year, two years, five years, ten years. So, yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a big uphill battle, and uh, we need all the help we can get. I think you kind of lead the charge uh, in, in some respects. I think uh, a lot of people look to you for leadership. Uh, I'm curious. One thing that I did pull from Instagram was a, a lot of people wanted to know your perspective on the next five weeks. And oh, yeah. I'm curious as well. How do you think they're going to go, and how do you think the, the gun community should handle them? And I, I know it's hard to predict the future. Oh, of course. No, it's impossible, really. But um, I think, without a doubt, we're going to see more riots and more unrest. Without a doubt. Now, a point that I've been making to people that I'm not seeing very many people make is, in order for a full-fledged civil war to really happen, like let's say next month, you've got to have a lot of combatants on the other side in order for a, like a big civil war to take place. And so with all the unrest coming up and whatnot, I really don't feel like there's enough combatants on the opposing side to have a full-fledged multi-year war. Mm-hmm. Now, an insurgency of sorts, or just some general unrest in larger cities like Portland, Washington, places like that, like or any city where an officer shoots someone and then a political event occurs because of it, We'll see that happening for probably a long time. Um, So I'm not sure. I I don't think a massive civil war is going to happen in five weeks. Granted, we'll see how this ages. Um, We will see more unrest before and after, without a doubt. Um, Whenever there's law enforcement activity that results in someone getting shot or something happening, we'll see some stuff happen, and rightfully so in some cases. If we have law enforcement acting as, you know, um, jackbooted thugs, shooting people for no reason, uh, which I don't think happens as much as some people are saying. If we start seeing certain things, absolutely they should be held accountable. Absolutely certain things need to happen. Um, 
but I don't know. It, we'll, we'll really see what happens in, in five weeks. COVID could die out mysteriously all of a sudden. It could be gone come December. I don't know. Kind of doubt it. A uh, vaccine could come out, and then it's like, oh, everyone who takes it, it, it's over now. There's a vaccine that maybe nobody's taking, but somehow the virus disappears because of it. Um, we don't know. Um, I'm particularly not interested in taking the vaccine, and I don't think I will be, regardless of what it is, with no testing that it's had. Um, but I, I would count on more unrest um, during and after December, January. Sure, I think that's kind of that's going to be happening kind of regardless of who wins, I think, and uh, if the victor is determined later for some weird reason, that's going to cause unrest. Um, it's going to cause some constitutional unrest. It's going to cause all sorts of problems. Um, this election is going to be particularly hairy compared to previous elections. I think you can look at the last one four years ago with the unrest happening then. Probably amp that up times 10 for this one. And uh, yeah. That's about, I think, what we're going to have. I think that's an accurate so, depiction. Uh, I would agree with you wholeheartedly on everything, even uh, taking the vaccine. I think that's yep. a, uh, a jumping conclusions there. I think uh, some more time is definitely yeah. needed. Uh, and it's funny how things like that seem to be separating our population uh, more yep. and more. So last October, when uh, we did that episode, I got a small peek into your following and your haters. Uh, I got a DM uh, it said that you're a skinny bitch just like Lucas, and it just it kind of made me laugh. Uh, but getting that peek into all the hate that you receive, uh, it sort of uh, changed my outlook and my appreciation mm-hmm. for what you're doing because uh, I don't think people really understand uh, what it's like dealing with that on a data basis and mm-hmm. how you, uh, you deflect it and you continue to focus on the good and, and the impact, especially this year. Uh, you know, I've got a family, and I can say that, you know, you changed my look on – outlook on the second amendment and guns and preparedness and all that stuff. And, uh, I'm very grateful for that. And I think I see the change in the community as well and Mm -hmm. they're equally grateful. So I just wanted to take the quick opportunity just to thank you for all the work that you've done and all the views that you've changed Mm -hmm. in spite of a lot of opposition. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an important thing. I think it, it carries more weight than people really understand, but uh, Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot, you know, like I said, I think you're one of the leaders, um, is there any of the stuff that you want to talk about that you're developing? Because last year I had you on, you announced the chameleon on the episode. Oh, yeah. I was wondering. Oh, if, another lead. Yeah, That's what you're asking Another for. product that you might want to talk mm. about that was in the back here. Oh, shoot. Oh, my. You're really putting <laughs> me on the spot. Uh, so we've got uh, – we have the chest read, of course. I leaked that a little <sighs> – Never fails. A little early. Uh, that was some material issues with the mill. Uh, that was some stuff out of our control, but I'll take blame anyway. Um, Chester is a big one. Uh, we have some pretty big goals for that. Uh, that product actually changed direction due to the political climate and the unrest and the protests and whatnot. That product actually was on a, more of a back burner. We had some other stuff we're working on, and then it was really quickly – we need to focus on this product because this actually benefits people right now and we can get it out to a lot of people. That was the original goal. But manufacturing, other things, other problems, you know, maybe we won't have tens and tens and tens of thousands of them, which is what I wanted, uh, maybe a little bit less than that, and we're still working on that. So chest rig's a big one. I don't have a good time frame for that um, as far as leak. Man, I got some really juicy ones. Uh, I will say that at some point next year, there may be a new holster of some sort. Okay. And not this year, next year. It is quite possible, hypothetically. So okay. that's a pretty – we'll see how this video ages – or podcast, not a video. <laughs> we'll see how this podcast ages. But, uh, yeah, next year there, there may be some things that are a little different at T-Rex Arms uh, on top of the other things that we're working on. We have a lot of other products, but we've got, we've got some other ones that we're working on. They're, they're pretty substantial. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, the, yeah, that's the, the annual leak yeah, for the, CJ. Uh, <laughs> Just a little touch on some of the great. I mean, the the chameleon target was uh, that was amazing. Uh, it was uh-huh. uh, it was actually very different than what I expected. Even when you told me uh-huh. about it, it was even a little different. Uh, just being here and seeing your uh, your commitment to product development and uh, you, also your attention to the supply and demand climate is mm-hmm. uh, it's awesome. And I, I can't even uh, I can't compliment it enough because you're filling a lot of needs uh, that are coming up and mm-hmm. and that's huge for a lot of people, especially because people are frustrated. They can't get oh, what they want. You know? I'm I'm frustrated. I do. I ordered a thing from a certain company. They said it was in stock on their website, and I've waited about three months for that thing. Granted, it's just a stock for my G3. It's a spur stock, and so it's not like absolutely necessary, but 
if that was a plate carrier that I think I need for civil unrest or a chest rig or I'd be pretty frustrated. I would probably go buy a ripoff on eBay from a Chinese company or something before I'd wait three months for, you know, the real deal or something. Yeah. Um, and that's even something we've talked about. I've told people just go to eBay and go buy the chest rig there rather than waiting for us or another company to put it in stock. Because eBay, believe it or not, is probably the only place right now where – if it's there, it's in stock. Like they will ship it on eBay because of all the, the policies they have. Like you can't put something on eBay unless you're actually going to ship it. So if you really need a product because bad things are happening, try eBay first. Because if it's there and it's a buy it now or a bidding or whatever, it's actually there. And you will actually get it within a week or two unless you buy it from another country and then it's a different story. Um, so eBay is great. I've used eBay a few times this year for stuff for like an optic or something. Like I need it. I'm going to buy it from eBay because I know I'm going to get it versus somewhere.com that's you know going to take four weeks back order without telling me, hold my money or do something weird. And that, that's happened already to me a few times this year. <laughs> so it's frustrating. So Yeah, the supply oh well. and demand is – I don't think anybody could have prepared or predicted. No. It's just been no. uh, so far off the normal scales. But Absolutely. Uh, I know you've got uh, lots going on here, people that are, are here to see you. So I, I really appreciate your time. I know it's valuable. It's an honor to have you on again. I can't wait to do it again, but thank you so Absolutely. much for sitting down with me. Awesome. Well, right. Thank you so much for having me, and we'll, we'll talk again hopefully soon. Yep. And all your, uh, your Instagram, your YouTube, and your uh, website will be linked in the show notes if you want to cool. uh, find more about Lucas or T-Rex Arms. Uh, but until then, I'm your host, CJ Boxroot, and this is Empty Brass.